Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sci-Theism. I am your co-host, Peyton Margnow, and this is... Brooke. And today, we're going to talk about how genetic engineering and religion intertwine. We are filming in a parking lot right now, so we apologize for any noise. However, we do encourage you to think of it as light ambiance yes, to enhance some your lovely, auditory experience. Some lovely noises for you to listen to while recording. <laughs> All right, so first up, we want to define genetic engineering. According to genome.gov, Genetic engineering is the process of using recombinant DNA technology to alter the genetic makeup of an organism. I do have a video clip to play, which might explain the concept of genetic engineering a little more nicely. Recombinant DNA technologies started with pretty simple things, cloning very small pieces of DNA and growing them in bacteria, and has evolved to an enormous field where whole genomes can be cloned and moved from cell to cell to cell using variations of techniques that all would come under genetic engineering as a very broad definition. To give some more background, we all have DNA, and it's sometimes referred to as a universal code. DNA is made up of four bases, and those bases are the same in every living organism. A pairs with T, and G pairs with C. Errors in DNA replication are called mutations, and they're harmless most of the time. However, some can be harmful and lead to things like genetic diseases, which is where genetic engineering comes in. Gene editing involves many different proteins as well as available nucleotides in a strand of DNA. Restriction enzymes cut out a part of a gene that will be transferred into a DNA segment. Once it's been cut out, heat shock can be used to move the cut gene into a cell. And once in the cell, the gene should be taken up into the organism's genome using a restriction enzyme and a ligase. This is a very basic method of genes transformation and it's usually seen in bacteria, but it could work in embryos. There are two categories of gene editing. Germline changes DNA in reproductive cells, so the changes would be passed down to offspring. And somatic therapies change DNA in somatic, or body cells, so changes won't be passed on to the offspring. A very popular method of gene editing is called CRISPR. According to broadinstitute.org, CRISPR spacer sequences are transcribed into short RNA sequences, capable of guiding the system to matching sequences of DNA. When the target DNA is found, Cas9, one of the enzymes produced by the CRISPR system, binds to the DNA and cuts it, shutting the targeted gene off. I do have another video clip to play in which Jennifer Dudna, who co-invented CRISPR, explains how it works. Part of the CRISPR system is a protein called Cas9 that's able to seek out and cut and eventually degrade uh, viral DNA in a specific way. And it was through our research to understand the activity of this protein Cas9 that we realized that we could harness its function as a genetic engineering technology, a way for scientists to delete or insert specific bits of DNA into cells with incredible precision. All right, now that we've reviewed the background of genetic engineering, I'm gonna give it over to you, Brooke, so we can talk about religions. As we know, many religions focus on human spiritual connection to the universe and believe that humans are created a certain way for a reason. Obviously, in our society, one of the most common religions with these beliefs is Christianity. Shockingly, when polled, just over half of a group of Christians said that they were against human genome editing. Jeff Harden, who is a devout Christian, wrote an article highlighting some of the reasons why Christians might be against certain applications of genetic engineering. He points out that humanity's tendency towards sinful behavior means that human beings are at risk of misusing technology. Many Christians worry that human genome editing is the equivalent of playing God, which is considered a serious offense, naturally. Yeah. Um, Harden sums up his argument by stating, we must balance two realities of our relationship to technology. On the one hand, Christians are called to love, which means we ought to use technology to prevent disease. On the other hand, we should be wary of excessive technological optimism, especially when the use of technology violates important Christian values. 
So Christians seem to be very, fairly divided on human genome editing for the reasons that I've mentioned. Um, and genome editing both conflicts and agrees with various important aspects of Christianity. So finding a balance may be easier said than done. Hindus, similarly, are also divided, but the majority appear to be against gene editing. An important question that Hindus often ponder is what kind of soul would take birth in a body created so uniquely? According to HinduismToday.com, gene editing violates the tenet of ahimsa, or not causing injury. There are significant risks to gene editing, including harm to the embryo. And Hinduism also questions what a child born of genetic engineering would look like. Would it still have a soul? Would it be the soul of another person? Some Hindus also believe that genetic engineering would be upsetting the balance of nature. Buddhists, on the other hand, have a much more liberal view of genetic engineering, as Buddhism focuses on altruism and compassion. The goal is to improve the quality of life and promote human well-being. If genetic engineering can decrease suffering born from genetic diseases, in principle, Buddhists support this. The ethics of introducing more intrusive genetic modifications, like designer babies, are questionable, as unforeseen circuit consequences could follow the human race through the future. Yeah, I think that if I had to agree with, like, one of the three religions views you mentioned, I would probably have to agree with Buddhism. Me I think too. that, yeah, genetic engineering can be an incredible thing, you know? We're repairing these mutations, we're fixing genetic diseases, but there's an extent that, you know, it's just, it just isn't good, you know, if we're talking about <laughs> creating designer babies, you right, know? Right, of course. Like, eugenics. There's a line. Yeah, of course. Um, and then, just because we're talking about genetic engineering, we thought we should also talk about, you know, the dark side of it, which is eugenics. So Francis Galton first coined the term eugenics, which literally means good creation. Eugenics is usually used by breeding only certain people. Historically, these people would be in good health, have no criminal record, and would have certain physical traits. In Hitler's Nazi Germany, blonde hair and blue eyes was the most desired. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed people were considered by Hitler to be Aryans, or the perfect race. Ultimately, Hitler used eugenics as a tool to gain control over millions of people and to slaughter around six million Jewish people. Under Hitler's rule, a law called the Law for the Prevention of Progeny with Hereditary Diseases was passed, and over 400,000 Germans were involuntarily sterilized because of mental illness, epilepsy, ep epilepsy physical deformities, or feeble-mindedness, which Nature.com defines as a catch-all term used to describe varying degrees of mental retardation and learning disabilities. The eugenics movement wasn't confined to the Nazi regime. It happened in the United States. A geneticist in the early 1900s founded the Long Island-based Eugenics Record Office, or ERO, due to the fact that places like mental hospitals and prisons commonly held people who were related to each other, eugenicists believed that wiping out people genetically disposed to criminality would create a better society, as well as cut costs that prisons and mental hospitals incur. They, uh, they gained public support of their movement by publicizing the cost of maintaining these genetically inferior families. And to add fuel to the fire, this was during a time of social and economic unrest as immigration to American cities increased. And instead of solving their city's problems of crime and poverty, leaders blamed the problems on the victims themselves, making eugenics ever more embraceable. The ERO soon began proposing laws to authorize sterilization of quote-unquote unfit individuals, aka people who cost cities money indirectly, like prisoners or psych hospital patients. And eugenicists claimed that because of the hereditary nature of mental illnesses and criminal disposition, Sterilizing one quote-unquote unfit individual could save future generations thousands of dollars. And here's the kicker. <laughs> 30 states adopted sterilization laws. 30. Over 600,000, nope, sorry, 60,000 Americans, still a big number though, were forcibly sterilized. Eugenics also fueled the ethnic bias that led to the Immigration Act of 1924, a discriminatory act that limited Southern and Eastern European immigration and completely barred Asian immigration. And it remained in effect until the 1960s. Don't forget that immigrants are still being sterilized at the southern border. 
and religion has been debated for centuries, if not millennia. Heck, religions themselves are divided, but most are unified under the belief that what they are doing is right, and at their course, most religions are the same ideals under different names or gods. Beyond this, we are divided on how much religion should influence scientific developments, on how to regulate technology morally, and on drawing lines between protecting human lives and committing atrocities. Both religion and science seek to make sense of the world and to, to improve existence for our species. How much do they overlap and how much should they? Whether you're strictly religious or an atheist, it's inarguable that the advancements in genetic engineering call for moral regulation. We have to draw lines before things get out of hand. Most, if not all, religions have strong moral beliefs and codes, and many of these morals can be found at the core of every major religion. Most of these morals, deep down, are regarded as universal truths, discovered again and again by those claiming to be enlightened. But, God or no God, there's meaning to be found in religion, and these moral truths, coupled with a healthy dose of realism, can help us make the most of the uncharted waters we find ourselves in as science advances ever further. Alright, so that was some pretty heavy stuff we discussed today, but thank you guys so much for listening, and we encourage you to form your own opinions on genetic engineering and the extent to which it is a good thing. As always, if you want to stay updated on all things science and religion, go ahead and follow our socials. Tune in next time as we explore the relationship between the genetic modification of food and religion. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>